All right, H-Town Hoops Podcast. Brandon Scott, Adam Spillane, SportsRadio610.com. The last time we talked, we were coming off another loss, but we mentioned before that it wouldn't be too often that we would be talking about the the Rockets coming off of wins. And here we are, Adam, off of back-to-back wins with the Rockets. Obviously, they beat uh, the Atlanta Hawks on Friday. And not just back-to-back wins, but wins on back-to-back nights, uh, we would add. And so, um, of course, they beat the Atlanta Hawks on uh, Friday, 128 to 122. And then a complete stomping of the Oklahoma city thunder 118 to 105 on Saturday night. Um, and so Adam, here we are, uh, responding to back-to-back wins. I mean, let's just start off top. I mean, what is the significance of back-to-back wins for a team struggling like this? I know you wrote on sportsradio610.com of how the way that they won the game against, um, against the Oklahoma City Thunder was really uh, just a sign of maturity. And really probably both of these wins is a sign of maturity and maybe a, could be a defining moment for this team. Yeah, um, I think the big thing, obviously, the maturity thing last night, Friday night's game against the Hawks, it showed a level of feistiness with the group that I really hadn't seen yet. And, and you look at what happened in the third quarter with Jabari Smith Jr. and DeJounte Murray where Murray hits a three and he was hot at that point in the game. I think he he was six of seven from three or something like that. Um, he hits a three to put Atlanta up 12 and he kind of taps uh, Smith on the head on his way back up the floor. And Smith waited a minute. Smith, you know, he waited a couple possessions. And then at the first dead ball, he got in DeJounte Murray's face and the, the two teams went after it a little bit. There was some barking. There were some double technicals handed out, two sets of double technicals handed out. And then the Rockets came back and won the game. And it, it showed some competitiveness. It showed some fire. It showed some you're, some that, hey, you're not going to disrespect us. You're not going to, to do that to us. And if you do, we're going to come back at you. And not only did they come back at the Hawks, but they came back and beat them. And I think that shows a lot that you can – uh, go up against a, a, an all-star, le- you know, a, a good opponent in the Hawks who are, you know, probably going to be in the playoffs in the East. They have two all-stars and you had to absorb haymaker after haymaker from two all-star guards with Murray and with Trey Young. They combined for 83 points and you come back and win that game. I, I thought it showed a lot. I thought it showed just a lot of a lot of moxie, a lot of competitiveness, a lot of fire. And that's something that you really want to see from a young group just to have that ability to come from behind and win a game like that. Yeah, obviously, it's so it's their fifth win of the season. Obviously, they don't win a lot of games. They don't win often. But what really stood out to me about just the the two games back-to-back is with the Hawks, you have them – like, you don't see them often winning close games. Usually when the game is close, they find a way. They don't, they don't get stops, and they don't make sh- enough shots at the end. And they did both of those things against the, against the Hawks. So they figured out a way to win a close game uh, against Atlanta. And then in the next game against Oklahoma City, what they do that they don't normally have a chance to do is play from ahead. And I know Steven Silas talked about that after the game. So it's really just two different ways to win a game. I thought it was, it meant a lot in terms of uh, just growth for two for mostly young players that are trying to figure out ways to win. You figure out how to win, win basically two different ways. Well, I think what stood out too about the, the game against Oklahoma City, that's a natural – you know, you are, you can easily come out and just not have an edge at all and not have any energy because of just how emotional the night before was. And that, that gave the, the Hawks win really meant a lot to, to that team. And so to come out the next night, 
have that same energy, have that same level of focus and jump out to a 14-4 lead. I thought that that's, that was the maturity that I was talking about it in the story last night. Is that oftentimes you will see a team win a game like they won on, on Friday and then the next night you come out flat and you fall behind and now you're trying to climb out of a hole. It was the opposite. And they didn't win wire to wire against the Hawks or against uh, Oklahoma City, but they took the big lead. Oklahoma City came back. They briefly took the lead towards the end of the first quarter. The Rockets got the lead back, and not only did they never give it up again, they built on it for much of the night. And as, as Steven Silas said, we're not used to necessarily playing from ahead. That's something that you have to learn how to do. Uh, that 21-point lead at the end of the third quarter, it didn't immediately fall down, or at the end of the second quarter, it didn't immediately fall down to 12 or 15. They built it up to where it got to 27. So I think that's where the maturity level comes from, where you have a lead, you don't get satisfied in the locker room at halftime. You're able to build on it, and then you get yourself an easy win. Going back to that moment that you mentioned in the Hawks game where DeJounte Murray taps Jabari Smith on the head after the shot, I'm really glad that they responded to that the way that they did. I thought that was really important for them, especially Jabari Smith. And I'll say for Jabari as somebody who looks every bit as a teenager that he is, uh, but, but has – kind of just a way about him that seems to be mature and like not about to be pushed over, not about to be kind of like treated like, you know, a rookie or like he's less than or like he doesn't belong. And so I, like I was really proud to see how he responded to that or that he did respond to that in kind, like in a dead ball situation and, and not in an overreaction sort of situation. They didn't allow it to consume them and they were still able to win the game. And to the Jalen Green point, like Jalen Green coming to his defense, I thought was just a really important, maybe like, I don't know the exact relationship dynamic with them, but just as, as far as like the look of it, I thought that was really cool for, at least for them to be kind of taken up for, for each other in a moment like that. I, th I thought that was important. Well, they um, need to, they're, they're going to be connected for a long time. I mean, those two guys are going to be connected here for a long time. They're going to play together for a long time if everything goes to plan. And you're right. It, it was that's you know it's easy for Dejounte Murray to kind of play a bully in in that moment because again he's an accomplished All Star. He's on the much better team. The Rockets are three and fourteen, and his team has a twelve point lead at the time. So it's easy to play the bully at that point and to see this nineteen year old kid from Auburn who's been in the league for you know a month and a half or whatever it is to see him respond that way. That's a that's a step in the right direction. And the one thing that I heard about Jabari Smith you know, even before training camp was just his competitiveness and his fire. And you saw that right there. We'll get back to the Jabari in a second, but let's talk about Jalen Green for a minute because Jalen had 30 in the game against the Hawks and I think 28 against, uh, against Oklahoma City. And the last time we talked, last time we recorded a podcast, it was after a not so great Jalen Green game. And we talked about it a little bit, but for the most part, especially as we've covered the you know the way we've covered them or covered the Rockets over the last few weeks has been like acknowledging that everything seems to be pretty much on schedule with Jalen Green and and Jabari Smith for that matter too and we'll talk about that but I want to ask you what has stood out about Jalen Green particularly over these last couple of games and to me they talked about this uh, Stephen Silas in particular and Jalen Green himself too but really just how he's playing defensively man and and I feel like. You know, it's not like he's like a, this lockdown defender or anything, but I think he's improved tremendously on the defensive end, and it's particularly important for him because of his style of play and the Rockets overall, their style of play and just what their identity is 
as sort of a, a an athletic team that wants to run and, and get up and down the floor and can really feed off of good defensive play. So that's what stood out to me is just the fact that he is, you know, and that, and that that goes beyond just the last couple of games that he's taken on the challenge of defending the best player. Um, obviously, we talked about how he's bulked up a little bit, uh, kind of looks like more of an NBA body. And I, I've just been impressed with how he's taken on more of a defensive responsibility in year two. Wanted to get your thoughts about that and, and ask you what you uh, ha- have thought to, that has stood out about Jalen Green over the last couple of games. For me, it's it's the efficiency. The last couple of games where you know he scores 30 points on 17 shots against Atlanta. Last night, it's 28 points on 19 shots. And he's been getting to the line a lot more. He didn't get to the line at all against Oklahoma City. But you look the games before that. Uh, in Dallas, he got to the line seven times against Indiana. He made 15 trips to the free throw line. Golden State, eight. Atlanta nine. So that's important for him to be able to get to the rim, absorb contact and get calls. The playmaking, I think has been a big step where last night he has nine assists and he had eight assists before he even had his first turnover. So the fact that he's, you know, been uh, much better, the game is slowing down for him. You can tell every single night the game gets slower to where he's seeing exactly what is happening on the floor. And I can't remember the exact wording that Stephen Silas said uh, after last night's game, but it was along the lines of not only does he know where he should be on the floor, but he knows where everybody else is supposed to be on the floor. So he's basically directing the offense at this point. And I think that's important for him because you would like to, I'm sure they would like to see him handle the basketball a little bit more and to run the offense a little bit more, have the offense run through him. And the fact that he's been able to do that and the fact that he can have eight assists without a turnover in a game, I think matters a lot to if we're, if we're going to head in that direction. Yeah, I feel like we're we're as close to Jalen Green to arriving as we've been. Like, or, or I put it this way, Adam, I feel as good about him as I felt since he got here, and I've always felt good about the pick. Like he, we talk about it being on schedule. Like it, you know, it, to me, it's too early for All Star talk and all of that. But that trajectory, what you want the number two overall pick to look like, exactly. To me, it's all there. I love that you mentioned the playmaking as well. Um, I think he's taking a step there um, and really just his his overall game, picking his spots. And we were seeing this, honestly, man, uh, talking about Jalen Green, we were seeing some of this toward the end of last year. Like he, you talk about building off of the good things, the positives of how you ended a season, J- Jalen and his rookie year and how things have translated into year two. I just feel like it's come together and and that he's really built off of what, uh, what what we saw sort of coming together as a rookie. Well, let's just go through some of the numbers. Um, field goal percentage, last year 42.6, this season 43%. Three-point percentage, 34.3, last year 36.3 this season. Free throw attempts, three and a half last year, 5.1 this year. Rebounds, 3.4 last year, 4.3 this year. Assists, 2.6 this year, 3.8. Or uh, 2.6 last year, 3.8 this season. So you're seeing all all the all the counting stats. Everything's going up, and yeah, the turnovers have gone up this year a little bit. But a lot of that is because he's had the ball a lot more. So right. He he is. You know, development isn't necessarily is it necessarily linear, but you are seeing him get better just by looking at the numbers, and then the eye test says it as well. All right, Adam. What about Jabari Smith, man? He's He's been really good over the last couple of weeks, or I should say the last couple of games specifically, maybe the last week or so. 
his confidence, I feel like we talked about this as well on the previous podcast, but that was before the moment that we mentioned earlier in this in this episode with the with the Hawks and DeJounte Murray and really not just, you know, that moment, but the game that he had. I mean, like, let's see, I'm I'm pulling up the numbers here from that game. So so he had that was the game where he had 21 and nine. Jabbar had 21 and nine. And then he had the double double, I want to say last night as well, or Saturday night as well. So that's back-to-back really good games from Jabari Smith, and I feel like the confidence is there, and we're starting to see, you know, starting to see more of what you wanted to see from the number three overall pick. I'm not gonna say I was concerned to begin with, but you know, there was a there was kind of just a learning curve, and there still is. Like it's not, he's got a long way to go. Um, and, and you just look at him, you're like, man, once that guy gets an NBA body, it's gonna be really interesting to see what he really looks like. But you feel like he's unlocked something over the last week or so. I think he's just figuring out what he can and can't do on the floor at this point. And I think for a young player where you have, you know, certain gifts and his would be just the size and the length and, and, and the shooting ability, just understanding that, okay, if, if I, if I crash the offensive glass, I'm going to get a rebound. If I, you know, if I box my guy out, I'm going to get a rebound. I'm a very good defensive player, which obviously he is. So I, I think it's just about understanding what he can do on the floor and you are just seeing the confidence grow with that. And, and I do, you know, the shooting's been better. Um, they haven't necessarily made a point to get him shots. You know, but they, I think the first, the last couple of games, um, he has started those games by taking threes. They've kind of set him up in the corner coming off of the screen. And that isn't necessarily for him to take the shot, but if it's there, he's got the confidence to take it. And I think that really matters for him. Um, the defense has been really good too. And, you know, opponents are shooting 63% at the rim against him or within six feet against him. And the league average for that is 70%. So we, we all knew he was going to be a good defender. It's just a matter of now actually seeing it. Um, the rebounding is big. Uh, first 10 games for him, he was averaging 5.6 rebounds, just one offensive board. Since he's come back from the flu, or really the last eight games, the, the game where he came back from the flu against Orlando, he only had the one rebound, but in the eight games since, he's up to 9.6 rebounds a game, two offensive rebounds a game. And really one of the big strengths for this team so far this season has been the rebounding. They are, they're middle of the pack overall, or they're middle, they're middle of the pack when it comes to defensive rebounding, but they lead the league in offensive rebounding rate. They're rebounding more than a third of their misses, which helps with a young team. It gives them extra opportunities, and I think he's a big reason because of that. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Adam, but that was an issue last year, right? Like they weren't, they were not a good, I don't remember them being a good rebounding team. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a change, you know, and I, and I noticed how drastically they out rebounded. I think it was Atlanta on Friday night and like, I don't know to, to me, and it would make sense as well. Like they've got, uh, you know, obviously the addition of Jabari and, and, you know, uh, you know, like it, it would it would make sense that they would be better uh, rebounding the ball, but to, to me that's a it feels like a change in the in the team. So last year uh, they rebounded. Let's see, I just had it. All right, so they were they were seventy one percent on defensive rebounds, uh, which was twenty fifth, twenty fifth out of thirty teams. This year with defensive rebounding, they are. 
71.4%. So a, a small increase, but that's good enough for 18th. But the big change has been the offensive rebounds. Last year, 26.5% offensive rebound rate. And like I said, this year, it's over 34%. So that's just giving them extra opportunities, which they need because they turn the ball over a ton. So where they are, they're losing out with the turnovers and getting shots. They're getting, they're kind of making up for that with the offensive rebounds. Going back to Jabari, just for a second, you mentioned him kind of figuring out what he can and can't do or learning what he can and can't do on the court right now. I like watching that process because, you know, I, I feel like the, there's a knock on him, like not having a ton of playmaking ability. And, and there, there's something to that. And I think he'll become better at it or at least, you know, not not playmaking. I should say shot creation, not being able to create his own shot, needing kind of to be set up, which I think is actually fine, uh, especially if he's going to be as good of a shooter as it looks like he can be. But. I, I have seen some shot creation, like or or him at least try to create some shots and um and and, and take the ball off the dribble, and you know that that to me just kind of speaks to the confidence in him, sort of getting a lot more comfortable out there, um just in, sort of in his role in the offense. You know, when you're his size, you don't need like normal shot creation because your size and your athletic ability really enables you to create shots in other ways. So I do think that part of his game is overblown. And frankly, on, on this team, you don't really need it because you have Jalen Green on the team. Right. You're going right. to be on the floor with Kevin Porter Jr. You're going to be on the floor a lot of times with Alfred and Shingun. You might be on the floor with Jay Sean Tate. So you don't need to be, you know, you've got the other guys to help create plays for, for the offense. So I don't think that that's really all that important, especially with what he brings you on the other end of the floor. And the hope is that he'll be a lockdown defender for you for a long time. I want to give you a couple of areas where he does need to get better. Just going through some of the numbers. Um, he's a much better pull-up shooter than he is a catch-and-shoot shooter. So part of the development for him is going to be just getting more comfortable on catch-and-shoots. And some of that has to do with the passing. Some of that has to be with being in rhythm. I do think he needs to speed up the release on the catch-and-shoot. So that's one thing. And then we've talked about this before, but he's got to get stronger. And you look now, he is shooting after last night's game, 42.9% within the restricted area. There is no reason that number should be that low. League average itself is 59%. So the fact that he's, what, 17% below league average, that's one area where he's got to get better. We, we talked about this, um, um, I think, the first, the first episode. He had one dunk at that point. I don't know if that number has grown at all. But a lot of that has to do with getting stronger. So this is some of the stuff that we're, that you won't really be able to see until next year. So the stuff with the catch and shoot, that stuff I think you can really work on uh, during the season. But a lot of the development that, that you'll see from him will come this summer and when he gets into training camp next year. Yeah, I think it's important that he kind of just makes that transformation that we've seen Jalen Green make. Just uh, and I'm talking about sort of that body transformation. And that just comes from being a year older, getting a year in an NBA offseason as opposed to an offseason where you're getting ready for the draft and your first in, in NBA training camp, and you actually get a full pro offseason. And, and I think his body's going to look a lot different when we see him next year. Um, but for now, yeah, it's it's very obvious and apparent that he is sort of a boy amongst men out there as talented as he is and as well as he's been playing you can just see it physically um especially like when he's at the free throw line and they got a real good close-up on him and you're like man that's it, it makes sense why actually looking at him why he might struggle in the pain area or why he might not 
have a, a, a ton of dunks and, and layups at this point. Um, so, but, but it has been encouraging to see again, the confidence and, and quite frankly, just the, the output that you've gotten from them over the last couple of games for sure. And it really over the last, what would you say? Six, six or seven games or so. It's really been about eight games. And again, just like with Jalen green, the off season will be important and, but he'll have a full off season. You know, you look at last year, he finishes his season with Auburn in, in March, you go through the whole draft process, you get drafted, and, and that's in late June. And then you go into summer league. That's not a whole lot of time. That's really a, a couple of months between the end of summer league and, and the start of training camp. The, the rocket season this year will end in April. So you'll basically have a full, what, five months to be in the gym, to be in the weight room. And you saw what it did for Jalen Green. You, you've seen what it has done for, for some other guys. And, and I do think that that will have the same impact on him. All right, Adam, let's talk about Alperin Shingun, man. He did not play in Friday's game against Atlanta, but was really good against uh, against OKC. I, so a larger picture question on Alperin Shingun. Where does, he, where does he sort of fit into the larger picture with the Rockets? Because, like, I... I find him, essentially him and Kevin Porter Jr. to be their best playmakers and thought he really put that on display uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, it's he's a weird player just because he's so unique and he's kind of from a different time with just kind of the back to the back, you know, post up, you know, not exactly the the, the big who has all the athleticism. Um, So it's. I'm really interested to see, and I think the big thing when you look at, you know, we're recording this on Sunday, um, Bruno Fernando came back on Friday, and Fernando played Friday night. Uh, Shingun did not play in that game because of the groin injury. Then last night, Shingun plays, Fernando doesn't play, coming off the back-to-back and coming off of missing five weeks with the knee injury. So Monday, uh, when they play in Denver, that's the first time where they will both be available. And first of all, I want to see who's going to start, and then I just want to see how everything else looks. My assumption is that, it will be Bruno Fernando starting because that's what they did the first two games of the year when Fernando was healthy. And then Shingun comes off the bench and leads that bench unit. That's what I like most with them is having Shingun with the bench unit. And I, I do think that he works well with some of these uh, other bench guys who fly around a little bit um, because as we've talked about before, uh, Shingun needs the basketball. He's better when he has the basketball in his hands because of what he can do, whether it's on the post or finding open guys. So when you're on the floor with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., you're not going to have the ball as much. So I, I do want to see how the minutes mix. You know, I just want to see how the minutes look. Uh, I do think that he got better playing with Porter and uh, and Green over these last five weeks where he's been in the starting lineup. And you've really seen some chemistry on the pick and roll between him and Green. There was uh, one stretch where Green uh, Green already has more assists to Shingun this year than he did all of last year. And we're 19 games into this year where they played a full season last year. So uh, you're starting to see him be a little bit better uh, with the starters. And uh, the big thing you, last night, I thought the big thing with him was the rebounding. He almost had 20 of them. He had a couple of blocks. He had a couple of steals. He played 34 minutes and he, he wound up fouling out. But uh, again, he was able to play 34 minutes before he actually fouled out. And he was really never in any sort of foul trouble. So I think that's a good step in the right direction for him. I, I it, um, I want to see how he fits with everybody moving forward. He's an important player, obviously, because of what they gave up for him uh, with you know two future first-round picks. And he's really, really talented. But I just want to see more, and I want to see 
how he develops on the defensive end of the floor, especially when it comes to rim protection. Yeah, the rim protection is a big issue. The There's a lot of talk about the lack of athleticism or the limited athleticism. And I don't think it's overplayed because, like, it it's an issue. But it, he also has, like, skills that kind of compensate for it, which makes him such an interesting player. The numbers on that OKC game was 21 points and 19 rebounds. He was 10 to 17 from the floor. So a really good game from him. And, and Jabari Smith, uh, just to put it out there, too, was, was had 15 points and 13 rebounds in that game. So just a really good double-double day for for their bigs. Uh, Shingun, man, <laughs> like you said, a really interesting player. Like, I don't know. You put it well. The whole back-to-the-basket, limited athleticism, 6'9", unfortunately, not like 6'11", and so not not really a rim protector. It, just, a, a again, a very interesting player, um, but I love watching him play. Like, it's a it's a fun experience watching him play, you know, uh, layups off the, and hook shots off the wrong foot, um, finding guys, um, the, you know, talking to the basketball at the free throw line. Like, he's a... He's an entertaining guy and a talented guy to watch. So uh, so I was just really interested to see how you saw these last couple of games, or, or not, I guess just this, this, this last game since he didn't play against Atlanta. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think he's important as well. I just don't know exactly how he fits into the mix, if he's, if he's a starter or if he's your sixth man and, and how exactly that looks. Yeah, and the hard thing too is that even in this stretch where he's been in the starting lineup while Fernando's been out, he really hasn't closed a lot of games. They have gone with Garuba closing games because of the defense and the defensive aspect uh, to everything. And you can see teams attack him. Teams look to attack him really in pick and roll. Um, they try to take advantage of the lateral movement, which isn't great. They try and take an, uh, advantage uh, of the rim protection, which again, isn't great either. So it's going to be for him about working and he's got to, he's got to work on the lateral footwork, uh, the lateral quickness. He's got to work on some of the explosiveness at the rim because if you can't, if teams are just going to go at you to, on that end of the floor, you have to be able to hold up. And if you can't hold up, it becomes really hard to play him, especially when the game's on the line. So over the next, you know, four months or however many games they have left, I think what it's 63 games that they have left. I want to see how he is able to develop on that end of the floor. Can he show some real improvement? And can it get to the point to where he's on the floor in crunch time? Because my guess is that we've, we've seen it with Garuba. And my guess is that it would be Fernando who gets the call in crunch time defensively. Yeah, really interesting decisions to make there on the front of, you know, the bigs and the rotation, like you mentioned. You also mentioned him fouling out. Uh, it reminded me, because I forgot about this with Jalen Green, that he fouled out of the Atlanta game. That's right. And but but what was great about it though, Adam, was that man, he had five fouls. Like, was it midway through the third? Like it was pretty early when he got that fifth, and he played with it for a while and played well and, and still played well defensively. And Steven Silas, I thought it was a, sort of an interesting way to look at it after the game to say that the fact that he fouled out showed how hard he was trying on defense. Normally a guy fouls out, it's a negative thing, but they were able to spend a positive out of that just just with, with Jalen um, kind of speaking earlier to the point of, of him being better defensively to be able to get that fifth foul as early as he did and still be able to defend 
and, and, and finished the game for the most part before he was able to foul out uh, much later in the game. Uh, that, that game was personal for them. So when you talk about him really trying hard defensively, that's because of how much that game meant and the disrespect that they felt from the Hawks uh, in the third quarter with, with DeJounte Murray. So you could tell that that was personal. And I think that's why they, they went as hard as they did because they did not want the Hawks to walk off their floor after beating them. All right, Adam, I got to figure it out, man. Is Gary Bird back? Is Gary Bird back? Because it looked like he was off, off, off kind of set to the side in purgatory, uh, was getting some DMPs, sitting over there at the end of the bench with, with Josh Christopher and whoever else wasn't really getting any burn. And now all of a sudden, check him out, man. Gary Bird's back. I think he had 11 the other night. Yeah, 11 against OKC. Uh, I, I saw a couple of moments there where they were actually looking for him. They were trying to set him up to get, you know, a long range shot. What do we got, man? Is Gary Bird back? Is he back in the mix, back in the rotation, or is this just sort of a matter of them dealing with the back to back and and sort of a rotational anomaly? I mean, he's shooting the ball well, and that's the big thing for him. That's what he he gives you. And he wasn't shooting the ball well early in the year, and I think now since uh, October twenty fourth, he's at 44% from three. So if you're shooting 44% from three for, for a long period of time, you're going to be on the floor. And I give him credit, and, and you know he hasn't played a lot. And, and you look at Friday's game, uh, he was really the last guy to come in. You know He was behind Josh Christopher in the rotation on Friday night, and then he played really well in the first half and kind of shoved Christopher aside and, and got those minutes, and they couldn't get him off the floor. He played, I think, the last 15 minutes of that game on Friday. And he, by the way, held up defensively too. I mean, you have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray going at him quite a bit and it wasn't always great, but you know, he, he held up as much as he could, but it shows the importance of just staying ready and being ready to play when your number is called. And for him, you know, like you said, he hadn't played a lot. He gotten some DNP CDs. Uh, he didn't play at all. I think uh, against the Warriors on Sunday and they didn't have another game. You know, they had a bunch of time off between the Warriors game and, and the Atlanta game. And the, have your number called and perform the way that he did. First of all, it's a great example for everybody else where, you know, I, I hear a lot of people make excuses for other players. Well, he could play better if he played more. Well, this is the NBA. There are not minutes for everybody. When your number is called, you have to, you have to produce. Otherwise there's no reason for you to play. It doesn't matter where you're drafted. doesn't matter what your status is. And uh, Matthews did that. Matthews did exactly that. And that just means that, you know, he, there are going to be nights where he doesn't play. They, they have too many other guys that they have to worry about playing, but they have they know that they can trust him to come in and play well and play hard and know what he's supposed to do every time out. So I think it's a level of professionalism that he showed on Friday that, hey, you're not playing a lot. I get it, but still, we need you. Be ready to go. All right, Rockets got a four-game road trip. Started with the two games in Denver this week. And then, so that's the end of November. Then they start December with back-to-backs in Phoenix and Golden State. What should we expect from these next few games? I mean, these are, <laughs> this is a different class of team, obviously, uh, that they'll be facing, but they're playing well. Is there something that they can build on here, something they can take, in it, take into these games? What are you sort of expecting over these next couple of, these next few games? I mean, when you run through those four games, it shows you why the last two were so important. And I know we talk about, you know, it's development and they're not necessarily trying to win games. But when you start the year three and 14 and then you know that you have that four game trip coming up. I mean, if you lose those two games against Oklahoma City and Atlanta, 
you're looking at what three and 16 with that four game trip coming up. That's easily could be three and 23. So the fact that they got those two wins, I think it matters. I think they're, you know, Jalen green said this last night, right? Was it last? Yeah, it was last night. They're tired of losing and you can only lose so much. And he, he said the thing after the Memphis game, the second game of the year, we're rebuilding. There are no losses. There are wins and there's lessons. You can only say that for so long because you lose enough games. All of a sudden the lessons become harder and harder and you don't want to go into the locker room every night having lost a game. So I do think that it was important for them to get those wins. These next four games are going to be tough. And if you told me that they lose all four, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Denver's really good. And and Denver for the most part is healthy. I think Michael Porter jr. Is doubtful tomorrow, Uh, but Jokic is still going to play. And then you look at Phoenix and Phoenix is playing great. The Warriors are not necessarily playing well, at least away from home, but they're the defending champions. So this is a really tough stretch. Um, if, if you, like I said, if they lose all four, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think it necessarily, you just want to see them compete and you want to see them have chances to win games when the game is actually on the line. Yeah. When they play teams like the Nuggets or like the Warriors or like the, the Suns, for me, it's always important to kind of to at least see if I can get a sense for how far away they are. And, and, and it's not always going to be a good example. Everybody doesn't always play like the lineups might be funky and circumstances might not make it a, a true and fair evaluation, but as best as you can, right? Take everything into context, whoever you have in the game, and try to get a sense for, like, this is the standard. This is what the team is supposed to look like at some point if everything works out with, you know, developing this young talent and if they finally get to where they're trying to go. So how, like, what is the difference between here and there? You know, so that that is why, you know, a trip where you get to play the Nuggets back to back and then you follow that up with the Suns and the Warriors is really valuable to me. Valuable to me from a from a watching experience. One of the things I want to see, and we'll probably talk about this more um, on Wednesday, but when they play the Warriors on Sunday, when they played them here last week, they got hit in the mouth early just because they, they weren't they weren't ready for what the Warriors do because the Warriors are such a unique offensive team. They move the ball and everything so quick. They weren't ready for it, and they fell behind, and then they played their way back into it. Now, for all the, these guys, you know, Jabari Smith and, and some of these other guys who hadn't faced that before, how do they respond now, and are they more ready for that, and are they able to kind of uh, withstand, you know, the early Warriors runs or keep those Warriors runs from even happening so you can play them even for much of the night? So that's what I want to see there. You, you'd like to see how they they hold up against Jokic. You know, you get to see Bruno Fernando against Jokic. You'll probably get to see Shingun against Jokic uh, at some stretch over these games. And then here's the big thing. You have the two centers who are healthy with Shingun and with Fernando. What does that mean for Usman Garuba? Because Garuba's played really well coming off the bench as that backup five. Are they able to get, find him minutes somewhere? Because obviously Fernando and Shingun are going to play. Steven Silas talked about possibly playing Garuba at the four because he has uh, the three point shot has developed nicely to where he he's, I mean, he's making a very high percentage. It's based off a lot. It's not based on very many shots, but he has proven that he is willing to take them and he can make them. So has he played his way onto the floor? And if so, who does that take minutes away from? Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like maybe, you know, you would slide, Shingun to the four, but he's also that back to the back type of player or back to the basket type of player. So, like, obviously, you're either either operating him, you know, high post situation. I don't know. Like, well, who's he gonna guard? If you, and, if you yeah, football, you got or you want him chasing around Aaron Gordon? 
No, so that, that's not. That, that's what you run into. Um, I, I think they believe Garuba could probably do that. It's just, does that take away from your team offensively if you have him out there at the four? And again, he's shooting the three well, but how sustainable is that? We'll see. But the fact that he's shown that he's got that in his bag right now, it does lend the possibility of them playing him at the four where uh, this time a few weeks ago, I don't know if that would have been a possibility. All right. H-Town Hoops podcast. Brandon Scott, Adam Spillane from SportsRadio610.com. Austin Mendez is behind the scenes producing this bad boy for us. I appreciate you for doing that. Look, we'll be back later on in the week. We'll probably uh, probably do this Wednesday night, drop this on Thursday morning, and um, and have a little bit of reaction to these Denver games for you guys. So looking forward to that. Make sure that you are subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing, and telling people about the podcast so we can kind of grow the audience here. We're enjoying it, having a good time with it. Uh, so, yeah, so until next time, I guess we'll see you guys on Thursday. 